A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Dairy Gold Agri, your solution to all your farm needs. Welcome to our program. I'm John O'Connor. Coming up, ICMSA National Dairy Committee Chairperson Mr Gerald Quain calculates that a number of milk price increases are feasible early this year. Upcoming meetings, details from Mr James Fleming, Dairy Advisor Chagask in Mallow. Individual farmers invited to join lunchtime demonstration in Merrion Square, Dublin on Wednesday to march on the Doyle in protest against low beef prices and a number of issues affecting rural Ireland. But first, despite Board Bia's record €13 billion Euro food and drink exports surge, beef farmers are reported to be losing €150 Euro per head on factory animals. That's next in our programme with Mr Adam Woods, Beef Editor, Irish Farmers Journal. We are joined by Mr Adam Woods, Beef Editor, Irish Farmers Journal. Adam, welcome to the programme. In the journal this week has pointed out that farmers are losing up to €150 Euro a head at current factory prices. This comes against a background of onboard beer recording a €13 billion Euro total for Irish food and drink exports last year. And you've met with onboard beer a matter of hours ago. Yes, John, um, I would export in terms of value um, up, but uh, for beef farmers, I guess, uh, maybe not as good. We'll say we're back on value. Um, and it's been a very, very difficult year, I suppose, for beef farmers. And we'll be here today acknowledge that. Uh, and indeed, Sinead and Phillips from the Department of Agriculture acknowledge that as well, that it's been a very difficult year. I suppose we've had those protests uh, and we've had a very, very low price uh, during the year and, and really at 360 uh, today, uh, regardless of, I suppose, we've had a lot of things happen. We've had protests. Uh, we've had new farm organisations set up. Uh, we've had the task force set up. But really, uh, for the farmer, um, in terms of finishing cattle today at 360, uh, a lot of those things doesn't make a lot of difference um, in terms of making money. And we showed analysis this week in the Farmer's Journal that we're losing, that was a beef farmers are losing um, at current prices based on what store prices were making in October. So, so it's very, very challenging times. Um, I guess some of the key messages that came out of the meeting uh, today was that Actually, a very alarming one. Uh, Rory O'Donnell, who works in the think tank, the thinking house uh, for both beer, um, he came out with a stat that uh, by 2040, a third of all the meat that we consume uh, could be grown in a lab. And that's a startling figure in terms of where we're going uh, in the future. And, and that's as a result of, of all these concerns, I suppose, environmental concerns. Um, and, and, and all the rest of it in terms of where people are going. Uh, ASF, another big, big headline today, African swine fever in China, and the impact that that is having on meat markets. Um, we've seen, I suppose, pork production reduced by, by 25% in 2019 in China, 15% is likely to be in 2020. Um, and that's a huge amount of meat. That's 20, 30 uh, million tonnes of meat uh, that has to be found from somewhere. And to put that into context, 
So it's 18 tonne of pork meat globally traded in 2018. So it's actually above the, the amount of pork meat that was globally traded in 2018. So there's huge potential there, I guess, for other proteins uh, like, like beef and, and sheep uh, meat in terms of getting into that market. Um, and I, I suppose looking then back closer to home um, in terms of predictions for 2020, and everybody is always very interested in what way things are going to go for 2020, we're looking at a kill, a reduced kill of about 60,000 cattle in 2020. So that could be good news for Irish beef farmers, because if we like it or not, it, it always comes back to supply and demand um, in a year. And if there's 60,000 less cattle to kill in 2020, that could be positive. Um, carcass weights were actually up. For 2019, um, another I suppose headline figure was exports are, are way up. We'll say our exports into the Netherlands for calves it was way up in, in, in 2019. And in terms of looking forward, they're very positive in terms of exports again uh, for 2020. Um, and, and looking at I suppose at price consumption is the big thing in Europe, and consumption is the big thing in the UK. Um, all our I suppose our negative um, with we'll the coverage towards you know beef and beef eating and and we see all these programs john on 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 our channels about about beef with the disrupting the environment and look at a lot of that isn't science based and we talked about that today but but it is having an effect on people and people see that that reducing their meat consumption will will maybe help the environment um, and i'm not look at, i'm not saying that's true but this is the perception and perception is what will dictate people when they go into a shop to to buy meat so we, we have a real challenge on our hands there in terms of educating people and educating our children uh, for the future in terms of where we're going uh, with meat consumption. And, and it's definitely a changing landscape uh, for the next 10 or 20 years. You might just confirm how much farmers are losing at the moment on every beef animal. Yeah, so, so we looked at it for this week's paper and, and at 360 a kilo, which is where we're working off at the moment for an R3 steer, um, you're, work, you're looking at 150 to 160 euros of a loss based on October store prices and putting that animal in on a finishing diet of, of silage and meal and slaughtering that animal close to 700 kilos, it's 150 to 160 euros. And indeed, that cost could be higher on some farms. That, on some farms, that would be a quite good efficiency and good, we'll say, growth in that animal. If there was lower growth or higher feed costs, that loss would be higher. So regardless of all the things that have happened over the last 12 months, beef farmers are still losing money. And that's we shouldn't lose sight of that uh, in terms of all the talk about task force and all the talk about let say new farm organisations and what's going to happen and what will happen and what they will do. Uh, beef farmers today are still losing money. Of that 13 billion euro Irish food and drink exports, of that figure, how much could we attribute to, to beef? Somewhere around 2.2 billion, uh, John, in terms of the beef portion of that. Um, our exports to the UK, we've actually reduced our dependence on the UK and we've, we've lifted our, our exports to other international markets. And, and obviously China, I think we've 21 factories now um, approved uh, for China um, in terms of getting beef over there. Uh, and other markets as well are growing, Vietnam, Philippines, um, I would say Southeast Asia. Uh, a lot of very important markets are growing. There's more middle class people, they want to eat meat. Um, and we'll say that in the past they may have had pork, but but pork isn't available over in those markets. So there's definitely there's definitely a potential there to get to get some beef um, into those markets. And we had um, a guy Connor O'Sullivan from from the from the Shanghai office in China, um, and he talked about like, it was positioning Irish beef that, that we've we've actually found a niche um, in China for for our beef. We could have went in at, at a, maybe a, a commodity level um, that would have would have would have been maybe higher volume. We're actually going in at quite a high level, um, which is grass-fed, um, and I'm really uh, people are being dictated over there as, as regards sustainability. And, and the, it's important to get that message through to them in terms of our product is is at a, is at a higher pitch, I suppose, than other other countries in terms of our production systems. 
that has been the target all along of Irish beef exporters. We saw a few years ago how we were, strangely enough, we were trying to break in to the USA market with their vast uh, beef production systems, their vast uh, feedlots. But at least with China now, if we have found that niche, lower volume, but more cash. And in the end, I think farmers have always said, let's see how much money is going to come back per kg to the Irish beef producer. That's it, and I suppose that's the, that's the nub of the issue in terms of people get very frustrated when we start to talk about new markets and, and getting into new markets because farmers on the ground feel that they it doesn't filter back to them. Um, and when we, need to, we need to really make sure that those farmers feel that they are getting a win uh, out of penetrating these new markets and at 360 a kilo, uh, we're not showing them that there is a win there. The second beef task force has taken place. The meeting took place on Thursday 9th of January despite all the ominous signs that perhaps it might be disrupted again. But it did go ahead on Thursday, 9th of January. Retailers present. What's your reading of the situation? Has it been a useful beef task force meeting? We know now there's at least a price index. There's the onboard B, a price index. Farmers know what they're talking about when they say that Irish beef prices are at this level and there is a better level elsewhere in the European Union, etc. The task force, was it yeah. useful? Uh, absolutely, John. I suppose it is, abs- it, is, it is useful and it's good to have all those parties around the table uh, talking to each other because I think going forward, we really need to go and uh, trash those problems out around that table, trashing them out at factory gates. I don't think that is the answer. I don't think that's sustainable going forward. So definitely, it's, look, at it's very early days. Have we made progress so far? I suppose the beef, the beef market indicator has increased transparency in the market and it is showing farmers, I would say, in terms of a European market or where our main customers are, where that market is going. Um, but in terms of well, so we're going back to price, John, that's what it's about. Um, we haven't seen a huge increase in price um, since that task force came in. So the big news was the, the retailers coming in, um, and they had some important things to say, I suppose. Uh, while processors would be adamant that, that the 70-day rule with the residency rule, the four-movement rule, the 30-month rule, uh, they would be adamant that that's very important in terms of selling beef. The retailers seem to put less emphasis on that. Now, Tesco did put a big emphasis on under 30-month beef, but, but other retailers didn't put as much emphasis um, on 30-month beef. So that was that was interesting. Um, I guess the Chagas Review and the Grid, there was hopes there that maybe uh, that would show that we needed an increase, I suppose, in 2009 uh, when beef price was was somewhere around €3 Euros a kilo. Um, the, the grid was introduced and the six-cent differential was there um, between our subclasses and between our subgrades. Uh, there was thinking because beef prices moved on um, with the 360, whatever, 370, 380, that that price differential should in- increase. And there was calls for that to go to $0.10. Cent. Chagas's desktop study has actually showed that because in the intermediate period uh, since that was introduced in 2009, uh, our stake cuts have actually risen by 8%. So that's, that's the retail value of our stake cuts has risen by 8%. So that's the, 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 the hind quarter of the animal where, where, where our good cut, cuts are. The, the fore quarter of the animal has actually increased in value by 57%. So to, so to put that or to explain that, that's again with a different consumer with a sentiment towards you know, stake cuts, strip loins, roasts. And maybe it's a change in, we'll say, you know, people in, in their houses now aren't cooking roasts as much, maybe aren't eating steaks as much, and maybe they're eating burgers. Uh, and, and that comes through. And, and obviously we've seen a huge rise in, in, in we'll say, convenience uh, cooking um, and, and eating out as well. And that, and that burger is part of that. So because the, the four-quarter cuts um, has increased in value, that has actually meant that 
uh, the, the, the price differential is, is only going to, if, if it changes at all, it'd be one cent. So it'll go to seven cents instead of six cents. And I think the thoughts around that table was to leave it as it is uh, and don't go near it in terms of where it's at. There was other things around mechanical grading. I suppose we had an appeals process there introduced a couple of months ago for manual grading. Uh, there was a proposal there to introduce an appeals process for mechanical grading. The department, I understand, poured cold water on that and said they weren't ready uh, to do that. Um, and I guess the other one was the Grant Thornton uh, study on, I suppose, consumer and retailer specifications and, and requirements. Um, there's a lot of mistrust in the industry, John. I suppose when a factory comes out and says they want this spec, farmers will say, well, why do you want this spec? And then the factory will say, well, this is what the retailer wants. And the retailer will say, this is what the consumer wants. Well, this is this is a big deep dive from Grant Thornton into, into exactly what the specifications are, what they should be, what consumers want, what retailers want, what factories want. And hopefully farmers and farm organizations will be able to trust Grant Thornton in doing that. It's an independent body. Um, and that's the, that's the idea of getting that independent body in that everybody can have trust in them. Tucked away in the journal, an article by Barry Cassidy on that very topic you mentioned, Grant Thornton. It works out the firm will examine the total value of a beef animal, including the fifth quarter along the supply chain. Finally, Grant Thornton will summarise all competition law relevant to the Irish beef sector, and that should knock on the head or confirm fears, allegations of cartels in operation that Grant Thornton Beef Review agreed under the 15th of September 2019 meeting with the department. It'll be historic and people will know for once what exactly the value of that fifth quarter will be up to now probably given away nearly. Yes, and, and there's been a lot of argument over that, I suppose. And it's a look, John, it's about increasing transparency in the industry. Um, we, we have very little transparency. Once we sell that animal past the factory gate, uh, we really don't know. And the factories will argue that it's a low margin business and they need to pro- process a lot of animals uh, to make profit. Uh, farmers will argue that there's huge profit in, in processing an animal um, and they are not getting enough. That there's lots of money to be made in the beef industry, but farmers aren't getting enough of it. So I suppose this will be the definitive report on that and, and it may shed some light. Um, and any time we can do that, like the, like the beef market indicator, that's more transparency. I think that's really the nub of the issue here in terms of increasing transparency in the industry. And, and if we know... Uh, we'll say what's happening to that animal or what value the fifth quarter is or, or if the margins are low, well, well so be it. But, but I, at the moment, we don't know and that's, that's a huge part of the issue. Speaking to Mr Adam Woods, very finally, as regards the situation we've heard there about the calf investment scheme, that's approximately €1.5 million. Euro. Now, that might be more in line with the dairy sector, with the dairy sector of the IFA, and I know the IFA National Dairy Committee Chairman Tom Phelan has called uh, for more details, but on the face of it, 1.5 million euro for calf welfare, or the technically called the calf investment scheme, do you feel this is something which is good, or is there a fear that this 1.5 million euro won't make very much for individual farmers if it's oversubscribed? Yeah, it, it definitely is, is a good, we'll say, a good idea from from the Minister of Agriculture, from the Department of Agriculture. Look, we, we need to ensure that the, that we do the very best we can this spring in terms of a huge amount of cows arriving on farms. Um, and I think, I, I suppose, the level, the funding, the amount, it, it's a euro a calf. We have 1.5 million dairy cows, dairy cows in the country, um, and, and, and that's not enough. Um, and in terms of speaking to farmers on the ground over the last 10 days, there's huge interest in the scheme. Um, so I think definitely the minister will have to increase that that funding 
um, because we don't want to see people, we'll say, in, in, a, in a bad situation in the spring that need facilities or need equipment. Um, and because the grant is oversubscribed, because the scheme is oversubscribed, they don't get it. Um, and that leaves tissues on farms. We don't want to see that at all. So definitely, I think the minister should come out and maybe an increase, double that fund, and I'd say at least, uh, to, to make sure that anybody that applies for the scheme uh, gets the level of grant. Thank you very much indeed for your valuable time at short notice. Mr Adam Woods, Beef Editor, Irish Farmers Journal. Thank you very much indeed, Adam. Thanks a million. We are joined on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme by Mr Gerald Quain, Chairperson of the ICMSA Dairy Committee. Gerald, welcome to the programme. You were saying that in fact this year, the first quarter of this year, 2020, should bring not just a one small increase in milk price, but there could be, if things, if you're reading this scene properly, there could be a series of milk price rises. I suppose, John, you look, we look at the market that's idea and the situation across the world where milk is being produced and the price of, in other parts of the world they have strengthened in the last four or five months. And I suppose here in Ireland in particular, we have seen the ONOA price index strengthen from month to month. And it came out there just yesterday and is at 32.4. Now, there is a nice bit of drift of where most of the crops are at the moment, and that both look to the share ground that the crops need to make up to catch up to that price. And about if you look at the the other index aside, are basically the Dutch quotes, and if you look at the GDT, haven't got they've dipped there the second last one. It rallied again the last GDT up two and a half percent. And if you look at the Dutch quotes, are stable at 34, 34 and a half, and 35 percent on the mix that the crop is producing. You are pointing to the European Union agricultural outlook for the period 2019 to 30. So that report, would you indicate in that report what it says about cheese and consumption of liquid milk? Well, of course, look, there's a, there's a good side and there's a not quite as good a side to the European report. The good side is, look, that they expect cheese consumption and cheese production to increase considerably over the next period of years. And of course, we have seen a decline in liquid milk consumption, not a massive decline, but there hasn't been any increase in any part of Europe for the last number of years. And we're seeing a slight decline in the actual consumption. So we have a reason to believe that the converting of from consumption of liquid is being uptaken by a greater increase in the consumption of cheese. And the Milk has been diverted in cheese production, and we can see here in Ireland, in the last 12 months, a year and a half, a lot of the main processors, and indeed, continuing, and continuing that vein, have built new cheese plants, and um, there are still more new cheese plants being built up the country, basically. And um, as far as we see this as a good omen, because well, cheese is the, looks like the one that's been the greatest demand going forward, but um, cheese is the right way to go, and... And if they figure and are prophesying that cheese consumption will increase, I think that's where we need to be, where the market is. The idea of exporting dairy on any large scale to, we'll say, Africa or Asia, but in fact, with the development of cooling systems, we could see an increasing market to Africa and Asia and a bedding down of a regular supply line to those places. Absolutely, John. Like, I suppose. No, technology has moved on and off after the last number of years, especially in the refrigeration, the cooling side of things. And like, 
how we can coal here can be easily produced and cooled and sold in African countries and how there was a problem all along because of the temperature and the conditions of cider. It wasn't possible to give any kind of dairy product a life. So with the cooling equipment that they have now in these African countries, likely you can give it a longer life. And I suppose, look, we have been going to these countries for, for a good period of years now. And about all those years, there has been developed taste and a, and a, a desire for high-protein dairy products. And of course, the culmination of all that effort over the last number of years is coming coming now. And we see these populations are increasing, probably much more so in that side of the world than they are in the western side of the world. And they're increasing with a higher level of consumption of dairy products than their forefathers had before them because their, their appetites and their diets are now better able to absorb the products and the high-protein products that we produce this side of the world. And that has to be good for the industry looking forward into the next couple of years. And Gerald, how soon would you expect to see these uh, potential increases in price for milk and dairy reflected in dairy checks? I suppose we would expect to see it in, in the December price, which is due out next week on most of co-ops. I think, look, they had been lagging behind, as I said, and look, while they had been lagging behind, your new index had been going forward, and now there's quite a gap of two cents in most cases, and in some cases slightly more, and in some cases slightly less, but there's a gap on average of two, two and a half cents within what the market is returning and what the producer's getting, and we would consider that there's a, every, every reason now all these processes and the crops, they should actually give a gradual increase month on month for forward. Now we're, pay, we're at the moment in pretty low peak month production, and that was up. We were hoping, and we see no reason why, that the increase in the price will come into the main peak producing months shouldn't be lifting in line with what the market was returning. Turning to something slightly different, but connected, of course, to the dairy sector and livestock sector, the department's announcement of a 1.5 million euro sum under the calf investment scheme. Will people apply for this? Because we're told that depending on the number of people applying, you could get at the most 40% of the cost. How would you read that? Are people a little bit cautious? We were very pleased with the by the Minister, and we would welcome it, because that was John, we have moved in the last number of years, probably 10 years in particular, to a very concentrated calf production period, basically from the first week in February, probably till the second week in, in April. And I was roughly around 60, 65, almost 70% of our calves now have been born in that period. And it was, look, if you look at the market we have for the veal market in, in Europe, in Holland, they really aren't ready for to take our calves as early actually as they're, as they're being born. And we need to be able to hold them on the farm probably that little bit longer and meet the market demands of the veal units. And of course, this is a, an attempt by the minister to kind of make life on farm, on dairy farms, that bit easier as far as the calf rearing is concerned, as far as calf feeding is concerned. And it isn't that being that the department have put these friends together to encourage and to make it easier for farmers to go in, increase their retention of calves on their farms and to make the, the feeding of these calves on their farms a little easier and to make them more attractive 
for the whole of these calves for a longer period, so to make sure we didn't have that massive glut of calves coming out at one time and putting pressure on price and putting pressure on the, the bottom of calves that can be exported. In the continent going forward this year, that the same number of calves will be exported out of Ireland in 2020 as they were in 2019. Now, while there is a little less capacity in the trucks taking these calves, but the, it looks like the, there will be no great difficulty with the shipping side things. The ship's been taken out of commission, might be out for a week or 10 days there at the end of January, beginning of February, but that'll be back in again by, by the middle of February. So, look, the capacity will be there, and then one other main ship has been taken out, and there will be two other ships put in this place. Now, the only fact of all, weather can be a small problem. Last spring, we had very exceptionally good weather, and there's the time ships and boats are out for because of bad weather was very little. But um, no, I tell you, we welcome the announcement by the minister, and we will be encouraging farmers to avail of them and cut down the cost of feeding systems and make it more attractive for them to get involved in holding these calves for that little bit longer so that their, first of all, their value will increase. The second of all, we won't try to push them all at one time and create a bit of congestion at the ports and at mass at the peak period of the calving season. Well, thank you very much indeed for taking our call, Mr Gerald Quain, the ICMSA Dairy Committee National Chairperson. Thanks, John. You're very welcome. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Joining us, Mr. James Fleming, Dairy Advisor with Chagas in Mallow in the Mallow office. First of all, James, welcome to the programme. Could you please remind our listeners about some very important events upcoming? Yeah, John, there's uh, quite a number of events coming up across the county within the next week. Um, first two that I'll mention are two of the Chagas AHI calf care events. Um, these events, uh, the first one, is on at the farm of Donald and Elizabeth Cott, Nakan Dunamore, on Wednesday the 15th at, at, at 11am. Um, and the second one is on the farm of Sean Moher, Croke Moher, 
Mitchellstown on Friday the 17th also at 11am both of those events are at 11am um, the focus of both, both of these events is uh, calf feeding systems calf housing assessment preparing calves for sale and promoting excellent calf health so bo- both of these events are highly time relevant for, for the time of the year with a lot of uh, busy period coming up on dairy farms and also indeed on beef farms that will be receiving these calves. The next event, uh, John, um, is that evening is the evening of the fifteenth and the e- and the evening of the twenty second of January. Uh, these are the spring tillage seminars. Um, both of these events, um, one the fifteenth of January in the Clayton Silver Springs Hotel, and on. The Wednesday, the 22nd of January, in the Munster Arms Hotel in Bandon. Both events commencing at 7.30. The topics for these spring tillage seminars are variety selection, winter and spring cereal agronomy, machinery costs. And the speakers at these events will include Elaine Clifford and Michael McCarthy, who are Chagas Tillage Advisors in Middleton and Mallow, and Kieran Collins, the Chagas Tillage Specialist. The next event, John, is for glass participants. It's an information event uh, for the traditional farm building scheme that's being held on Friday, 17th of January um, at 2pm on the farm of Podrick and Antoinette O'Connor in Rock Hill, Grenada. Um, at this scheme, you'll learn how to. Uh, th- at this event, you'll learn how to apply for the scheme and what's entailed in the process. And that's a free event. All are into, all are, all are welcome to attend. It's being hosted, co-hosted between Chagas, the Heritage Council, and the Department of Agriculture. And finally, then John, in terms of events, applications are now open for the Green Cert course for 2020. Uh, for farmer, in it's for farmer intern training, recognised agricultural qualification. If you're interested, you contact uh, Pat Flannery, who's the course director in 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 McCroom, on the way at seven. Nine five nine two seven nine nine, or Murphy Sherald uh, Education Officer, uh, 083-311-6339 or alternatively, contact the Chagask office on in McCroom on o two six four one six zero four. The applications are for this are open until Friday the twenty fourth of January twenty twenty. Thank you for those details of all the big events upcoming. We turn now to the new calf investment scheme. We've heard a lot about the scheme, but the details, I gather there are a lot of published details, and I think you have the general gist of uh, the details of the new calf investment scheme. Yes, John. First of all, eligibility for the scheme, it's open to all farmers that have a herd number and who declared a minimum of five hectares of eligible land in their BPS application last year, 2019. The closing date for applications for this scheme, which is the application process, is by email only. The closing date is the 28th of January. Application forms, they're available on the Department of Agriculture website, www.agriculture.gov.ie. And you must email your completed application, paper paper application, in PDF format, to cis.agriculture.gov.ie. Thank you very much indeed, James. Mr. James Fleming, B&T Dairy Advisor with the Chagask office in Mallow. Full interview with James in the midweek edition of the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme this coming Wednesday evening between 10pm and 11 
Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr Richard White, PRO for the Cork West Ploughing Association. Richard, welcome to the programme. Now the McCroom match, you have a report on the results. Yeah, thank you very much, John. Uh, McCroom Ploughing uh, went ahead last Sunday on uh, January the 5th at Croke Stamps on the land of Nina's Cronin, by his kind permission. Um, very good turnout of competitors, over 50 people competing. Uh, however, uh, the rain did get nasty enough towards the evening. It hadn't been forecast until night time, but it arrived that little bit early, and it made things a little bit sticky and, and messy for both competitors and, and spectators. Uh, but however, it was a matter of continue on with it and uh, make the most of it. But uh, a very good turnout, very good. And um, so the, the results are as follows. Um, uh, senior tractor, first, Kim Coakley, uh, second, John Murphy, uh, third, Johnny O'Donovan, uh, fourth, Jackie O'Driscoll. The, the intermediate tractor, uh, first, Stanley Dean, uh, on the 28th, first, George Kirby, uh, joined second, Jamie Hayes, Aidan O'Donovan, and Niall O'Driscoll. The under-21 class, in first place, James O'Sullivan, second, Ian Farrell, third, Noel Nahan, and fourth, James Jennings. The ladies' class, uh, first was Ellen Nahin, and second was Rachel O'Driscoll. Uh, the two for a reversible class, first was Liam O'Driscoll, and second was uh, Michael Witcherley. Uh, the two for a reversible on the 28th, uh, first, Flora Witcherley, second, Conor O'Farrell, and third, Daniel Tobin. The three for a reversible, uh, first was Tim Lawler, second, Jerry Creedon, and third, Patrick Buckley. The three for a standard, in first was Matt Coakley, second, John Cuhan, third, Kevin O'Riordan, and fourth, James Downey. Uh, the open hydraulic vintage, uh, first was Phelan Cotter, second, John O'Neill, third, Leslie Wolf, fourth, Dennis Cummins, and fifth, Keen Ryan. The confined hydraulic vintage, uh, first was Vincent Bennett, second, Sean McCarthy, and third, Ito Wieselman. The single puller in first was Gordon Jennings. Uh, the horse class first was J.J. Delaney. Uh, the, the trailer vintage, first David Grattan, second John Wolfe, and third Michael Bennett. Um, the marker class in first place was David Welch, second Andrew O'Donovan, and third Dennis Cooper. The local three-fold class, first George Kelleher, second Daniel F. O'Riordan, and third Fenton Creedon. The local three for reversible, first Alan Lynch, and second was George Coakley. And I suppose I'd like to compliment the McCroom Club. Uh, as usual, they had a great, uh, great, very well, great match and very well organised and a great turnout for it. And um, on tomorrow Sunday, the Bandon match is hopefully going ahead, weather permitting, uh, at Knockerville, Bandon, up on the Crossbarry side of Bandon, uh, by kind permission of Tim Barry very much weather permitting. Starting time on tomorrow Sunday is 11.30. The draw for Banks is at 10 a.m. And they'd like all the entries in on today, Saturday, by uh, 12 o'clock. And the uh, contact numbers there are 086-822-5007 or 087-246-3420. And those numbers again are 086-822-5007 or 87 And that's at um, tomorrow at Knockerville on 
by Cross Barry, uh, the Bandon match, uh, but I think very, very much weather permitting. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Richard White, PRO for the Cork West, Ploughing Association for the McCroom results and details of tomorrow Sunday's match by the Bandon Ploughing Association. Richard, yes. thank you very much indeed. Yeah, thank you very much, John. Some upcoming IFA meetings. Monday 13th of January, North Cork IFA County Executive AGM at GAA Complex Mallow, 8.30pm. Speaker, IFA Munster Chairman, Mr John Coughlin. Tuesday 14th of January, West Cork IFA County Executive AGM, Venue Parkway Hotel Dunmanway, 8.15pm. Speaker, IFA President, Mr Joe Healy. Thursday, 16th of January, Cork Central IFA County Executive AGM in Kingsley Hotel in Cork City, 8pm sharp. Speaker, IFA Munster Chairman, Mr John Coughlin. The current investigation into the suspected presence of a notifiable avian disease in a broiler breeder flock in County Fermanagh in the north serves to highlight once again to poultry keepers the measures they should take to reduce the risk of bringing the disease into their flock. Flock owners should regularly monitor their birds for any sign of disease. If they suspect any signs of the avian flu AI disease in their flocks, they must report it immediately to the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine. Anyone who keeps poultry, even only one or two birds in Ireland, must register their premises with the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine. The department urges all poultry owners, including backyard flock owners, to be vigilant and to implement strict biosecurity on their premises, particularly in relation to minimising contact with wild birds and domestic birds. It is critically important to ensure that wild birds do not have access to feeding areas and feed stores for domestic flocks. Mr Dermot Hennebury has advised the farm programme that individual farmers are invited to meet at the Merrion Square Dublin area next Wednesday 1pm to demonstrate against low beef prices, the carbon tax and many other issues affecting rural Ireland. Individuals from any rural or farming organisation or farmers who are non-members of any farming group at all are also invited to this peaceful lunchtime protest planned for Wednesday, Merrion Square, Dublin, 1pm to march on the Doyle and register a protest regarding low beef prices and other issues. Mr Dermot Hennebury has given a phone contact number for people who want to make inquiries and that phone number is... 87 267 9357 267 9357 Mr Dermot Hennebury invites all individual farmers to take part in this demonstration. He says the individual farmers are working closely with the Gardaí The IFA has requested an urgent meeting with Minister Daly regarding the status of the Fair Deal scheme. IFA President Joe Healy has written to Minister Jim Daly to request an urgent meeting regarding the current status of the Nursing Home Support Scheme Amendment Bill, otherwise known as the Fair Deal Scheme. Mr Healy said the government approved the proposal to bring in a three-year cap on productive assets where a family member commits to working the asset in July 2018. However, he points out, 18 months later we are still awaiting for the bill to be drafted. Mr Healy said the bill must be published as a matter of urgency 
and introduced in the Oireachtas, Caroline Farrell, Family Farm and Social Affairs Chair in the IFA, said that farm families had been waiting too long for this amendment and with each passing month the viability of family farms was being undermined. The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Michael Creed, TD, has issued a call for proposals for agri-food tourism initiatives under the 2020 Rural Innovation and Development Fund. Minister Creed said, Agri-food tourism is of great importance for our rural areas. It allows rural Ireland to showcase its people, landscape, history and culture through agricultural produce, food and drink and local cuisine. Funding under this scheme allows rural businesses, including farmers, producers and artisans, to develop their products and services, to connect with the community and visitors and improve the rural experience. Total funding available is €190,000 for projects supporting agri-food tourism initiatives, which may also include rural food markets. The maximum amount payable to any project would be €25,000. Applications should be made via the Call for Proposals application form, which is available on the Department of Agriculture's website. Closing date for a seat of applications is 12 noon on 4th of March 2020. Miss Amy Ford, news correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal, points out that solar farm developers are paying farmers up to €1,000 an acre to rent their lands to build solar farms. The developers pay rent to the landowner for the term of the lease, which can often run to between 25 and 30 years. For example, the average size solar farm, which was granted permission in 2019, was 117.6 acres. At €1,000 an acre, that land could harness an income of €117,600 per annum. In the last three years, Miss Amy Ford points out, solar farms covering 6,575 acres of mostly farmland across the nation have received planning permission. Wexford is the county with the most granted planning permissions for solar farms in the last three years. That information from Miss Amy Ford of the Irish Farmers Journal. And that's our programme for this morning. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to John Foot and Controls. And of course, thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in. Have an enjoyable weekend. Next Agri Update is due on this coming Wednesday evening between 10pm and 11. Thanks for listening. Dairy Gold Agri, your solution to all your farm needs. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.